What's up, crew? Welcome to the Clover Tack Podcast, October the fourth, twenty twenty one. When we're recording this, anyway, if you're in the uh, audio world or replay, well, uh, that could be any time. So uh, make note of the date that we're recording this. A lot of times, that is very, very important. Uh, starting out here, want to give a quick shout out and thank you to, of course, scrolling at the bottom, you see it. Those that support the channel through Patreon, YouTube membership, super chat. And by shopping clovertech.com. Got uh, Chris Chang in the house. Going to bring him in and get this party started. What's up, brother? Hey, hey. How's it going? Long time no see, right? Yeah. One day. <laughs> it's been one day. <laughs> Saw each other yesterday. It was great. It's great being able to travel again, right? And attend uh, conferences and events in person and you know just live live life like it was intended to right so uh for those that don't know uh uscca boy it's so long that it's hard to even say it uscca concealed carry home defense expo 2021 was uh this weekend in fort worth uh videos will start dropping i think tomorrow for that so look for that uh and then um also had AMCON, which is alternate alternative mass media convention. Do you even know what is that, that sounds, what it means? Yeah, right? yeah, that, that sounds, sounds right. That sounds that right. Sounds right. Um, and uh, Chris and I both uh, uh, were uh, blessed enough to be able to speak and do a uh, presentation there. So, did uh, did you go yesterday? Because I had to leave, of course, Saturday night. Did you attend yesterday? Yeah, yeah. So I attended yesterday as well. In the I had a, a 3:30 p.m. flight, you know, out of, out of Dallas, and you know, I'm now back home in San Francisco. Nice. Okay. Yeah, I seen. Uh, I think it was a Facebook post. Well, no, it couldn't have been a Facebook post. So maybe it was, an, you know, it couldn't have been an Instagram post. Where did I see that? Maybe it was before it went down today. By the way, in case nobody knows, Facebook having all kinds of issues in Instagram today. It's kind of funny. Uh, it's kind of. Uh, what is what is the word? I, I called it karma earlier, but uh, I guess that's what you can chalk it up to. So do some quick Google foo and check it out after this podcast. Of course, uh, it's uh, it's interesting. But um, yeah, seeing where you had gotten some type of an award yes, uh, yesterday at Amcon. Yeah, yeah, I was really uh, honored, and uh, also it was not uh, something I had any prior notice that I was going to receive award an award at Amcon. Uh, it's their annual making a difference award. And um, yeah, you know, out of all the, all the people, you know, that are involved in, in second amendment advocacy and the gun community that could have been chosen for this award, I'm, I'm really honored and, and humbled. Um, and it's been a, it's, it's been a big year for me. Um, you know, a lot of um, my, my, my events and advocacy was unexpected you know, in particular, testifying in front of the United States Congress, you know, that was back in March. Um, that was very short notice. I basically got seven days notice and only four days to really plan, you know, for uh, for my testimony. And then I was recently on the cover of Recoil magazine and helping promote the concept that the 2A is for everyone. Right? The Second Amendment is for everyone, regardless of your sexual orientation, your gender, your religion, and the uh, the cover of the magazine uh, 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 generated a lot of controversy, right? That there were a lot of people that 
took issue and umbrage with the shirt that I was wearing, which was a black t-shirt with a distressed American flag in rainbow LGBT colors. Um, and, you know, it, it, it got pretty ugly. It got pretty ugly uh, online. But the, the thing that a lot of people may not have paid as much attention to is the silent majority of support for this message that the Second Amendment is for everyone. And what I mean by silent is the number of likes that Recoil got on their Instagram and Facebook posts of the magazine cover that I was on way surpassed the, the number of, of negative comments uh, that were that were on the um, that were on their posts. And I think that it was the negative comments right, that naturally a lot of people focus in on. But the number of likes, I, it was, um, you know, almost seven times the number of likes compared to the uh, number of negative comments, which right for me is, is very telling that the, the message of the Second Amendment is for everyone really strongly resonates with a, with a large majority of the gun community. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were, I mean, and, and I think that award speaks to it but you wear a lot of different hats and uh i put a poll up i got a poll out there on the youtube side so if you're you're out there live anyway vote in that poll and uh the question was on which issue do you think uh, chris is most vital in relation to second amendment advocacy the options are asian americans lgd lgd okay let me start over lgtbq community shooting sports at technology and right now shooting sports is leading with 57 percent. so yeah all right um, that's uh that's interesting technology which makes sense uh second at 29 asian americans at 14 and uh lgtbq uh currently uh at zero so we're gonna keep tabs on that uh, also if you're out there uh not only can you vote in that poll but uh, let me throw up a quick screen share here uh eh, i'm not able to do that so i'll just uh, tell you to do it type uh hashtag top shot in the chat chris was talking about that uh, issue of recoil magazine i just so happen to have an autographed copy of that recoil magazine and we'll give that away before we uh skip out today on the podcast so type uh, hashtag top shot in the chat and uh, you'll have a, a chance to win that. Awesome. Awesome. So uh, so on all of the hats, put on at this point, I know you wanted to talk about several things. So at this point, put on whichever hat you want to. And uh, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you before I do real quick, though. Lucy is out there. Ricardo. This is Hey Clover and Chris. And uh, dropping a, uh, a five spot. So thank you for that, uh, Lucy. Awesome. Appreciate it. But uh, yeah, take it away. Where do you want to start? So today I'd love to talk, put on my technology hat and talk about a new space that I'm getting into. And the topic is NFTs and the blockchain. You might have heard about these NFTs and, and blockchain as it's related to cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Ethereum, or maybe you haven't heard of NFTs and blockchain. And so today... I want to, you know, uh, discuss a primer, right? What are these concepts? And then more importantly, how are they relevant or how could they be applicable to the gun community? 
And so I'm, I'm really excited for this new technology that has been coming to the forefront over the past few years. And so let me start with NFTs. NFTs stands for non-fungible token. And I don't want to get into like the technical pieces of what that really means. The important part is if you hear somebody say NFT, we're basically talking about a digital collectible, right? So NFT, digital collectible. So these digital collectibles can come in a variety of different forms, such as a, a, a JPEG file, a movie file. Um, it, it could be um, a piece of art. It could be, um, you know, just data. Uh, so this is where it's, uh, it could be kind of everything and a lot of things. And I'll, I'll get into some more specific uh, details here in a second. Um, there are artists and content creators all around the world that are making thousands and in many cases, millions of dollars creating NFTs. And again, these are digital collectibles or digital goods that are sold basically on the internet. Here's some brief examples of NFTs that are being sold. First example is Jack Dorsey, who's the CEO of Twitter. He put his very first tweet on Twitter up for sale as an NFT, and he, somebody bought it for $2.9 million, wow. right, which is it's 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 insane. It's like this like jaw dropping amount of money. And so right, if you if you kind of think about it, you're like, okay, wait, right? You can just go to twitter.com or open up the Twitter app. You can go to Jack's handle and you can see Jack's first tweet. Right. Oh. That is publicly available to everyone. So why would somebody pay $2.9 million? for what is essentially like a screenshot of uh -huh. Jack's first tweet. Great question, right? Now, what makes this possible or what makes this interesting is the blockchain part right, of, of this conversation. So what is a blockchain? A blockchain is a digital public ledger, right? So it lives on the internet, right? A blockchain, I just think of this, uh, you know, multiple blocks of data that's all connected in a chain. And the blockchain stores and validates and authenticates information. Right? So in the case of this NFT, right, this Jack Dorsey tweet NFT that sold for $2.9 million, right, it's, it's a screenshot that was created into an NFT that lives on the blockchain and it was authenticated by Jack Dorsey, right? So whoever, you know, the, 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 the purchaser of the NFT b literally bought something directly from Jack Dorsey. Think of it that way, right? Now the, the winner owns a piece of Jack Dorsey's, you know, persona, his uh, content, right, that, that Jack created. Mm -hmm. So... I started studying NFTs about a year ago and it's really confusing. So if you, if, if, if what I just said doesn't make any sense, trust me, I believe you because it took me like 20 times of well, hearing varying explanations of like what NFTs are before it really yeah. like started to sink in. 
Go ahead. So Did you have a question? Well, yeah, you, you've thrown a lot more information out there than I currently knew. Um, and from what I'm hearing you say, it's kind of like a piece in a museum, right? There's a difference between you can view the piece in the museum and you actually own the piece that's in the museum, right? That is that is a great analogy. And let's take that analogy a little further. So as I've been trying to wrap my head around digital goods and the concept of digital like ownership, I've, I've been trying to think about, well, what's an analog real world example to help sort of concretize the concept. So, right, artwork in a museum, right? You, you hit the nail on the head, right? It's one thing if you just go, so let's talk about the Mona Lisa, right? The Mona Lisa is, there's only one Mona Lisa. It lives in a museum. You can go to the museum and look at the Mona Lisa. You can take pictures with your cell phone. You could record video of the Mona Lisa, but right, those pictures and the, the video that you create on your phone, like it's not worth anything, right? If you tried to sell it, like why would anybody buy a picture, a digital picture off of your cell phone of the Mona Lisa, right? Right. Now, here's where it could turn into something valuable online as an NFT. So let's say the museum right, created an official digital copy, right? Now, the fact that it's coming from the museum or maybe it's someone who's authorized, right, to speak on behalf or sell the Mona Lisa, right, on behalf of the creator, that's where we talk about this concept of provenance, right? Provenance is, you know, validating and authenticating who the content creator or who the content owner is, and just like in real life, right, if, if, if the museum ever or the owner of the Mona Lisa ever sold it, you would know that you're buying the authentic real life Mona Lisa, right? You, you need to know the provenance, right, of the Mona Lisa. And in the real world, right, there are, the, I don't know, the fancy art curators and the museum people who, right, can somehow authenticate, right, that this Mona Lisa is the real one. Uh -huh. So in the digital world, in this concept of nfts right or digital collectibles there's a similar authentication or um knowing the provenance right of where the nft came from right who created this right and so jack dorsey right the fact that he created an nft copy right or an nft you know version of his tweet right that's where the value comes in right if Chris, like if you or I took a screenshot of Jack Dorsey's tweet and tried to sell it as an NFT, nobody would care. Right. right? It, they would just be like, well, this is a fake, right? Like you're yeah. trying to sell a fake copy of this content. So, well, I mean, it, it, theoretically it could sell, but it would bring more like a dollar or something, right? Yeah. I mean, it, precisely right it's 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 um it's just not going to have the same amount of gravitas right uh -huh. if uh if if some random person who's not the content creator uh tries to sell something and right, that's sort of just a general concept that holds true right uh, whether we're talking about the real world or the digital world so here is another example of how nfts are becoming hugely popular. And then I'm gonna bring this into an example of where I think 
the gun the gun community and the gun industry is going to go. So there's this website called nbatopshot.com. Uh, so it's put on by the NBA. Uh, Top Shot is their brand, and it has no connection to the History Channel's Top Shot competition, which I won. It's just you know totally unrelated. But what the NBA is doing is they are taking video clips of some of the best moments in NBA history. It's you know Steph Curry hitting you know a, a game-winning three-point shot. It's LeBron James, you know, I don't know, mowing someone down on the court and I don't know, some some little brawl breaks out. Um, but you have these video clips that are being sold, bought and sold on NBATopshot.com. And you have people, basically, these are collector's cards, right? These are digital collector's cards that are being sold by the NBA, right? And the, and the reason why... You know these clips are 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 you know making so much money is because it's from the NBA, right? Now these the video footage that they're selling, well, you could find them find the same video footage right online if somebody you know recorded the game on their DVR and they uploaded it to YouTube or you know or if they just you know, honestly just you know have it um, you know on their computer. But again, right, if some random person just created an nft of uh, some nba video footage and tried to sell it like who cares but the fact that the nba is selling it it makes a huge difference and it's a right. it's a huge difference to the tune of 780 million dollars worth of nba nfts have been sold wow. in uh, in the past year or so wow it's tremendous tremendous Wow, let's uh let's knock out a few comments real quick, uh, Chris. If you don't, if you yeah, don't I'd mind. love to love to see some questions, comments, and yeah, I mean, this concept of uh, NFTs, uh, you know, there's a lot of criticism uh, also being levied against. Like, oh, this is a scam. It's just you know, it's all it's all fake. Um, I I get it. I understand the skepticism. Uh, and if anybody has any yeah, any questions or comments, yeah, definitely uh, happy to address that. Right. Uh, Ruddy Ghost out there dropping down a 10 spot. Says, enjoy this. Says, thanks, Chris and Clover. Nice. Thanks, Ghost uh, Tactical. I've got it out there in the chat, but don't forget, type hashtag top shot. We're going to give away an autographed copy of the Recoil magazine. Chris is on the cover of. Uh, also, we've got a poll out there, too. Make sure you vote in that poll before you leave us. Um, we've got, uh, what have we got? We've got ISO bandit here he says they're selling digital space real estate too says you can place your nft on your property uh they're going to be like billboards only digital so uh another another uh i guess another avenue of that now one thing when you're when you're talking about this and the the skepticism right with nfts so interesting that ghost out there is enjoying this because he kind of jumped into cryptocurrency about the same time I jumped into cryptocurrency and I hate cryptocurrency at this point. Now I'm a stock market person and I realize it's a long game and I haven't had it long enough probably. Right. Um, but when you get into the skepticism, it's a lot like there is in the cryptocurrency market, I think. Uh, and I also think it's a lot, I come from the dot com bubble days. Uh, where people were buying up Pepsi.com, Coca-Cola, Walgreens, Walmart, those sorts of things, right? And parking them for 
five dollars a year and then turn around and selling them for millions of dollars right um similar type issue i think when you get into to that skepticism no yeah i said the skepticism is similar but the concepts right between you know the, the looking at cryptocurrency versus nfts like while they both live on the blockchain it, it, they're they're for me they're very different concepts um and here's how, right? So, I mean, cryptocurrency is, uh, it's a currency that is uh, either people use it as an investment vehicle or they're using it, right, to, as a medium to, um, right, uh, to exchange goods, right? You buy and you sell, right? People are using cryptocurrency to do that, to facilitate those transactions. But NFTs are more about, for me, it's more about art, right? That's, that's I think, one way to think about right digital collectibles that are you know digital collectors cards right so collectors cards art games is a whole nother subject which um, you know i don't really want to get into the gaming piece today because that's like very fascinating but i think i want right. to really focus in on some fewer concepts today because i don't want to throw too much at uh, at listeners because uh the nft world it is very exciting. It's very new. You know, this example about billboards and uh, digital real estate. I think the analogy here is if you've ever played SimCity, right? It's a, it was a computer game where you're basically building a virtual world. There is this larger world called the metaverse that is being built out where it's essentially virtual reality. Like kind of think of it like that, right? Where people are creating their own avatars, they're buying digital hats and virtual clothes and sunglasses. And yeah, they're like buying virtual houses. And um, for me, like it just harkens back to SimCity, right? Where yeah. you basically kind of, uh, it's not a one-to-one analogy because SimCity was very like macro level, like, right, you're putting in a hospital, you're building a house, you're building an apartment complex. But the metaverse is it comes down to the individual level, right? It's like you are a person or you could be a person living in a virtual world and you have your digital wallet that has your cryptocurrency, that has your other NFTs, you know, your digital art, your collector's cards, your all your digital goods. And it's fascinating. Right? And this has been happening for years, right? It's 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 a um uh, a, a developed concept, but it's only, I think, now just starting to hit the mainstream, which this is the exciting part, right? Where when something goes from a small niche, right, part of society and be- starts to become more ubiquitous and more people start to uh, partake in the metaverse. Uh, and so NFTs, you know, uh, as a technologist, you know, before I won Top Shot on the History Channel, I was a tech guy and I'm still a tech guy, but I was, a, I was a tech guy before I was a gun guy is the main point that I'm, I'm making here. And looking at this trend of NFTs and people who are purchasing digital art, getting into digital collectibles, like if you look at um, ape punks, crypto kitties, uh, people are like spending thousands hundreds of thousands millions of dollars on these little avatars <laughs> it's 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 mind-blowing and so um the 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 direct connection that i want to make to the gun community is on this uh, digital collector's cards piece right so 
I think that ultimately we're going to see manufacturers like Beretta and Glock and Springfield and all your favorite manufacturers start selling NFT collector's cards of their product lines, right? So let's bring it back to an, an, a, a real life analogy. Back when I was younger, I was big into baseball and collected baseball cards. Fleer, Score, Upper Deck, Tops, right? All these like, you know, name brand, right? You, you know, if you, if you collect the baseball cards, of course, you know those brands. Right. And as a collector, you, you know, you always were excited to either find, uh, you know, someone's rookie card, right? It's like, you know, the Ken Griffey Jr. 1987, you know, rookie card, like that's like worth a lot of money. And depending on which one you had, you know, from, you know, tops or flare score up or deck, right? Like the, the value, uh, uh, you know, it, it changed. Um, I remember going uh, home after school and right, like busting out all of our baseball cards and like talking about like, okay, you know, like, why is this one better than the other? And we would sell, we would trade, we would bet, right? Our baseball cards on all sorts of things, right? Maybe it's, you know, we're going to play Nintendo. And if I win this, this round, like, you know, you're going to wager, you know, your Don Mattingly, you know, card and I'll wager, you know, some other card. The point is, right? The NFT space, it's that paradigm, digital, right? It's digital collector's cards. And I think not only is that going to bring so much fun, right? So much fun to the gun community, right? It's going to open up a whole new world for us to, you know, spread the joy and the fun and excitement about, about firearms and, fi you know, and gun culture um, for manufacturers. It's a way for them to extend their brand, right? Because yeah, definitely. It, it, it's, I, I think you know the, the, the possibilities are, are are you know kind of endless with how NFTs can benefit you know firearms manufacturers, and then again you know right bring some really um, uh, you know fun experiences and um, you know help make people a lot of money too right it's mm -hmm. if you look at the back to NBA Top Shot you know there are some like Kevin Durant um, you know NFTs <clears throat> that are that are. Um, you know, that have been sold for like hundreds of thousands of dollars, but, but right. The original owner, some random person, right. Probably only bought them for like $50, right. But through just the mark, you know, the, 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 the dynamics of supply and demand and right. Any collector's culture has different drivers for what makes certain collectibles more expensive right makes their value go up or value goes down in the nba or any sports world right it's like well the value of a collectible right generally goes up the better the player performs and then it goes down right the worse that the player performs <clears throat> so there's a right a similar dynamic in, in the nba you know top shot world where it's fun you know people um are making a lot of money and it's it's uh i think that's going to happen you know to uh, all of us here in the gun community uh, eventually at some point so yeah i mean you you talk about uh and we'll we'll probably gonna move on here in a minute but um talking about digital property 
Um, I've told this story before, so the viewers and listeners out there, some of them probably have heard it. But back in, I'm going to say the early 2000s, it was a game called Diablo 2. In that game, there was loot drops when you killed monsters, and there were rare armors and swords and different things. And my guild, if you if you nerd out and you play games, you like that, normally you're in a guild. Uh, my guild, and I was in IT, so I had the capability to do this. I actually set up a, a farm with bots, right? And we would farm those monsters who were known to drop those certain rarer items, and then we would eBay them. And we literally made thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars selling a digital item, just just like you're talking about in a way, except for we didn't own that item, right? That was Blizzard, I guess. Blizzard Entertainment owned Diablo. So that was actually property of that. And I think eventually eBay did away and said you can't do that anymore because it's not our property, right? It was a virtual item and uh, there was a big uh, hoopla over that. Um, I want to explain something real quick. The poll is out there and I've got some questions. G-Web's out there, for example. He says he would have voted for 2A advocacy, but it wasn't an option. And the question in the poll, if you read it, it's all about 2A advocacy. Because it says, on which issue do you think Chris Chang is most vital in relation to Second Amendment advocacy? So does he does he benefit us more in the uh, 2A realm as far as Asian Americans, as far as LGBTQ community, shooting sports, or technology? That is the uh, question. Also, uh, hashtag Top Shot out there you want a chance to uh, win that autographed copy of Recoil Magazine. So, uh, yeah. Where do we go so from I know, here? Yeah, so I know I said we were, I didn't want to talk about games today and NFTs, but you went there and the fact that you... I did. That the fact that you know this world, like, this is, this is, this is going to resonate with you, what I'm about to say. Yeah. All right, so <clears throat> the opportunity with NFTs and NFT guns in particular, let me, let me let me back up though. Let's just talk about NFTs as, with respect to gaming, right? So, let's take the Diablo example, right? So, right, you 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 purchased or won or found right all these weapons and armor and whatnot, which is right. Like, there's a whole culture and community right within the Diablo gaming community. Now, the problem with those digital items is that they're only really valuable within the Diablo game ecosystem. True, right? Yes. You can't take any of these Diablo items and use them in any other game. This is where NFTs are going to bridge that gap, right? Or really not gap. It's literally going to build bridges to other games, right? So, right. Think of it this way. Let me now talk about NFT guns. I believe that video games are ultimately going to sell NFT Glocks. NFT Mossberg shotguns, uh, you know, Daniel Defense Mark 18 machine guns in game, right? And so if you buy an NFT Glock 19, for example, within one game, it can be, you know, put back into your digital wallet. And if you want to go use that same Glock 19 in another game, that's the kind of interoperability that I think we're ultimately going to see. And now here, get this. Back to sort of the provenance and the history you know, of a particular NFT right, or, or any item, really. 
this is where NFTs get to become very cool. Now, back to this blockchain concept, right? So the blockchain, as a reminder, right, it's this digital ledger, right, that keeps, it's like the source of truth, right? Every NFT or item that lives on the blockchain, it is all, it's, it's a, a, a source of truth about like what has been the history, right, of this particular item. So if you can imagine, let's say, right, there's a Glock 19 NFT, right, sitting on the blockchain. Let's say, Chris, you own that, right, Glock 19. Let's say you've used this Glock 19 in three different video games, and let's say you've crushed it, right? Let's say, right, you competed in some online tournament. You won second place in one of those tournaments. You then, you know, placed first in another tournament, Everybody could see the history of that Glock, of your Glock 19 on the blockchain, right? That's part of like your NFT's, you know, history. And so if you wanted to sell that NFT Glock 19 at some point, it's the fact that you're a champion, you know, gamer. This Glock 19, right, was used, right, to, you know, the, the history, right? how many hit points or how many you know, kills you got or how many, just all the statistics, right? It, it lives with the NFT. That's your specific NFT, you know, on the blockchain. And again, it's that source of truth uh, that's immutable. You can't hack it. You know, the blockchain is not hackable. Whatever data is entered, you know, onto the blockchain, it's like, it's, it, it, is, it is what it is. So the gaming application, I think, is, uh, is tremendous. And we're, we're going to see some, I think, pretty exciting developments in the years to come. So, so uh, and then the final, yeah. So the final yeah, thing um, I wanted to yeah, chat about with uh, with regards to NFTs today is yeah. back to this art concept, right? There's digital artists who are selling, you know, photography, animations, um, other forms of digital art uh, as NFTs. And so uh, I'm really excited to have partnered with Recoil Magazine, and we are selling. 10 nft copies of the recoil magazine cover that i'm on and so you know there's 10 people who are gonna have uh you know the opportunity to become a part of history right wow. this is the this is the first nft auction of its kind in the gun community the the cover is a piece of art you know when when the uh when recoil published it you know, I'm very proud of the cover. It stands for the Second Amendment is for everyone, right? This, this ideal that it really doesn't matter what your background is, that everybody, every American has the right to self-defense with a firearm. I'm not saying that everyone should own a gun, right? It's about this. You right. have the right, right? And it's, it's your choice to decide whether you do or don't want to own a firearm. But you have that right. And like every other right. You have the choice whether to use your right or not, and it's 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 a, a a a cover that is it's it's going to you know live uh, you know for a very long time in in, in the gun community. Um, it's gonna it's already been a talk piece um, you know uh, in in all corners of the community, and so the auction winners there's ten NFTs. Now, in addition to the NFTs, um, we've added a whole bunch of other goodies to, the, to these prize packages. So the top five winners 
will get to attend a real life fun shoot with me and the recoil staff. Uh, you know, we'll probably bring, you know, a bunch of guns and, and some, you know, hopefully a machine gun or two. And so the top five winners of the NFT auction will get to shoot with us. Recoil is throwing in uh, magazine subscriptions, both the physical and digital copies, uh, Recoil swag, and then uh, also a uh, personalized autograph copy of the uh, the magazine, the physical magazine itself. So if you're interested in participating in the NFT Recoil auction with, uh, with me, it's starting on October 19th, and there's a website, nft.recoilweb.com, and you can sign up right now for an email reminder, so when the auction starts on October 19th, uh, you can get uh, an email reminder notification. You can pay by credit card. Uh, you can bid up to $10,000 via credit card. Uh, if you have cryptocurrency, you can then surpass that ten thousand, uh, you know, dollar mark. And um, like I said, you know, this is this is an art auction, is the way I, that I look at it. Right? It's like mm -hmm. you're right. buying an authentic piece of art, you know, both from Recoil and from me. This is where I did like this is where the value and, and the meaning right, comes into this digital collectible piece of art. And right, you're buying what it stands for. And what it represents that the second amendment is for all and so yeah check out nft.recoilweb.com to read more about the auction and the amazing prizes that we have for the uh for the top 10 winners and yeah i'm excited to be you know part of this uh big moment in, in technology and in the gun community because i think nfts are are, are here to stay and i, I want to be a part of helping push that ball forward and uh, bringing more fun and enjoyment to the gun community. Well, I mean, I agree because there's been similar things. Like you said, the, the new technologies are sort of bridges the gap. It's kind of a, a newer, more modern version of things that have kind of already went on in the past. If you've been paying attention to tech and I know a lot of people don't, and that's, that's perfectly fine, but uh, this may be a time to start getting into tech, right? Um, so I don't know if you want to hit on this, but DJ out there says, please, uh, says, uh, top shot, Chris, please tell the audience to talk about blazing sword.org. Ah. Um, and so I could talk about that as well, because I am listed as a, uh, instructor or whatever over there. Uh, do you want to hit on that just real quick, I guess, or, or you can take as long I'm as you want, but. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm uh, on the board of Operation Blazing Sword, um, which is uh, combined with Pink Pistols. Um, these organizations are pro-Second Amendment LGBT organizations in the gun community. And so, you know, Operation Blazing Sword was started back in 2016 as a response to the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was our country's most deadly domestic terrorist attack, where over 100 innocent Americans were either killed or injured. And this, the Pulse nightclub is a gay club that is very popular in that area. And for you know, people outside of the gay community, something to note about gay clubs is they are a refuge. They are a safe space where members of the LGBT community, right, go to gay clubs 
to feel safe, right? To be able to dance and drink and be ourselves and, and have a good time. And like any bar or club, right? It's you, you go to sort of right, forget about all your worries, you know, in the real outside right. world. Right. And at the where fact, everybody knows your name, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. And so the fact, right, that that this domestic terrorist, right, came in and you know, murdered and injured over a hundred American innocent Americans, it really, it really hit at the core of the LGBT community and, and a lot of, um, you know, straight allies, uh, both gun owners and, and non-gun owners alike. And so from this tragedy, Operation Blazing Sword was born where a, uh, a trans woman named Erin Paulette, she created a website, blazingsword.org, and it's a Google map. And the ask and the call to you know for help to the firearms community was if you are a firearms instructor or a range owner or you know a, a gun owner who wants to help train and educate members of the gay community right to learn you know to teach us how to shoot a gun and how to defend ourselves put your name and your contact information on this this google map and within just a few short months, we had about 1,800 Americans from all across the country. Thank you, Chris, right, for, for being one of those 1,800 um, you know, patriots who understood and understand this concept that, hey, you know, everybody has the right to self-defense. And then here in America, right, we have the right to self-defense with a firearm and um, it's, it's just been, uh, such a heartwarming, um, uh, experience, right. To see this level of support, you know, coming from, uh, again, a lot of straight allies saying, here's my contact information. I will offer sometimes free instruction, right. I'll provide the guns and the ammo and free instruction, or a lot of instructors, you know, offer discounted rates, you know, for the LGBT community. So that was um, it's a, it's a wonderful thing. And yeah, uh, operation blazing sword and pink pistols continues to grow and continues to have uh, a, a really positive impact training the next generation of LGBT gun owners and gun shooters. Now DJ out there, and I guess clarification, he says, are you on the board with pink pistols too? So yes. Yeah. So, um, within the past, I think it was maybe a year or two ago, Operation Blazing Sword and Pink Pistols merged. Right. So they're right. now, yeah, they're the same organization, and I'm on the board of directors for for that organization, right. which includes both yeah, entities Pink, now. Pink Pistols sort of absorbed Blazing Sword, or was it the other way around? Something like that. Yeah, it was, it was the other way around, and yeah, there's some you know 501c3 things going on <laughs> right. where yeah, it made sense for the right. new organization to absorb the older one, but. Um, you know, all that aside, it's uh, it's it's a wonderful organization that you know continues to recruit more and more new members into the fold, um, especially as you know the. I think the reality as a gay American is we all understand that there is this omnipresent threat against the gay community, right? Mm -hmm. There are are people there are unfortunately Americans out there who want to do us harm. To bring it really quick back to the recoil magazine cover controversy you know if you go to the their recoils instagram page and look at some of the comments i mean they're very vile 
bigoted, homophobic, angry, very sad also. But the worst one that I saw was there was a thread about the Pulse shooting. And one commenter said something to the effect of, I was really happy to hear and see all of those gay people get killed by the shooter. Oh, like who, who says, who says or thinks these kind of things, right. To, to, to take glee and delight, right. And, and uh, right. marginalized people getting murdered. Um, I mean, so, you know, the, it's, it's number one, the internet brings out the worst in people and that sucks. Um, and number two is a vast majority of people don't think before they speak, let alone think before they type, right? Hiding behind a screen. But, you know, when you talk about something as, I don't know what the word is. I don't know if I want to go with disgusting. It's certainly egregious as that. I mean, you have to take it seriously, right? So, yep. yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. And so this is where... You know, that was an inflection point for me where, you know, the the, the recoil magazine cover, you know, coming out and, and being sold like that was not the end. Right. This magazine is right going to it's it's coming off of, um, you know, the newsstands uh, right around now. And I'm like, I want to make sure that the positive impact of this cover can continue on as, as long as possible, which is where I'm hoping, right, that this NFT auction, right, we, we we're converting the cover into NFT art, and that these ten, you know, art, you know, owners uh, will, you know, enjoy the art, and maybe it'll increase in value over time, and maybe they make some money, and right, every time they sell it, right, this is it'll be sure. it'll be notable, right? I mean, I, I, I'm I'll be keeping an eye on it, and if you know somebody sells it and makes some money like i'd love to you know celebrate and, and talk about that and it's an opportunity right art right if you just think about art in a vacuum right art is provocative right it makes us think or it evokes emotion or it prompts discussion and it makes us more worldly or aware like that's that's what i think this recoil nft auction is all about right this artwork has provoked some really great discussions some of it disgusting right some of the conversations have been disgusting but some of it has been amazing it's been um, it's been inspiring it's been um reassuring on a number of levels right to hear how much support exists in the gun community for the lgbt community for marginalized people um and and so you know I'm, i'm heartened and inspired by that and uh, we'll we'll see what happens with this NFT auction when it uh, wraps up later this month. Right. Now, uh, DJ out there, he said, uh, that was a question for me. Didn't know of your, my affiliation, I guess, with uh, Blazing Sword. So I don't have any official affiliation. I'm listed like Chris said. Anybody can be on the website. Uh, and I have had people contact me. Um, and, of course, I know Chris. I know Aaron. I know Gina. I know Nikki. I know tons of good people that are associated with both those organizations as well and uh they they know that i'm willing to help out when and where i can so but uh officially no now uh on a lighter subject here iso bandit says he'd love to own the uh instructor chris nft to give him training anytime he needs a refresher (laughs) so there you go there's a uh there's a thought 
And uh, nice. DJ had one. DJ had one way up here, and I think he did want to talk about this. Um, he, he threw the link out to the. You tell me the Asian American the because I'll, I'll butcher the G O A. APAGOA. Yeah. That is it. APAGOA.org. Yeah. So this is a new pro gun uh, Asian American focused um, group that was uh, started earlier this year. I'm a founding board member of that group. And APAGOA was formed in response to the rise in racist attacks against Asian Americans that has been happening since the beginning you know, of the pandemic. And, you know, I live here in San Francisco and you would think that, you know, San Francisco, right, we have this reputation for being tolerant and we're really not in, uh, in many ways, but there's this reputation, right, that it's, uh, it's safe, it's, it's tolerant, especially of, you know, uh, people of color uh, in the LGBT community, but we've seen some really violent crimes and, and racist attacks against Asian Pacific Americans here. Um, some of them which have unfortunately resulted in death. And some of the most disgusting attacks have been against the elderly. I mean, you know, what, what is happening to our society when old Asian Americans are getting attacked on the street unprovoked? They're not getting robbed, right? So this, these are not like crimes of passion, right? And they're not getting robbed. They're not getting carjacked. They're literally just getting, you know, hit over the head. They're, they're getting shoved to the ground. And, you know, as, old, you know, once, as we get older, we become more fragile. And, and sometimes like the, you know, a fall is the beginning of the end, right? It's like mm-hmm. not the fall that kills you. It's just, no, the, absolutely. you know, yeah. blood clots or, you know, other, other complications yep. that happen. So, you know, for me, it, it's been an emotionally taxing year, right? To see, Asian Americans getting attacked and I live here in San Francisco. It's like, I could just be walking down the street after right this interview and some a-hole might just look at me and say, ah, Asian guy, he's responsible for COVID. Let me go, you know, hit him upside the head and teach him a lesson, tell him to go back to China or some, you know, crazy stuff like that. Um, and, and this is the reality, right? It's, 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 it's an unfortunate reality and naturally what's happened is you have a lot of Asian Pacific Americans who have been asking themselves a question, you know, how do I keep myself safe? If you look at the past year, right, where we've had high levels of civil unrest and rioting, the George Floyd incident, you've got a lot of mistrust and distrust of law enforcement. Uh, law enforcement is often, you know, over, over, um, you know, stretched and right. They, and we all know, like, you know, I, I meant to be clear, like I'm pro law enforcement, right? I have a lot of friends in law enforcement. And of course, like, you know, law enforcement wants to quote unquote, save us, you know, when they can, but they can't be everywhere all the time. And so Asian Americans, like many, you know, Americans in general have asked, you know, have, 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 you know, we all want to be safe. Right. We all want to protect ourselves. And APAGOA was created because there were Asian Pacific Americans who were trying to learn how to go shoot a gun, how to get trained, how to buy their first gun. And they weren't finding information that was helpful for them. And, you know, whether you like it or not, a lot of people, they identify by race right that's sort of like how they 
that's sort of like it's like well it's a natural it's a natural thing right it's not it's not unnatural to you know gravitate to people like you physically exactly right because we see physical we see physical first right now you may gravitate to somebody at first because they're an asian and then you start talking to them and they're a complete buffoon or idiot <laughs> and you when you walk away and leave them alone that could happen right. of course yeah but it's always that appearance first right it's, it's the cover of the book that you see first and so yeah and you that's, know that's, that's a- normal and yeah asian culture is you know similar to latino culture and you know other other you know ethnic cultures where there's a natural bond that um you know that that is very strong in in uh, a lot of communities and therefore it's the eight you know in the eight case of asian americans you know there's a lot of us who first seek information within the asian american community right, right. whether whether right. regardless of what the top whatever the topic is so sure you know there weren't any national asian american gun groups that existed prior you- to apa goa do you think that's because Asian or Asians are kind of a smaller minority? Do you think that maybe is why, or do you think it's more of a cultural honor and respect? Because there is sort of an issue. Correct me if I'm wrong. Like Asian culture, and if they're a victim of a crime and reporting that crime, right? Isn't there like a, kind of a cultural honor type thing there sometimes, to where they they feel ashamed or whatever? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's more about distrust of law enforcement. It's language barrier, also, mm-hmm. right? It's like why, if if I'm a non-native English speaking, you know, Asian, you know, and I don't trust the police, and you know, if I am trying to file a report and there's no one there to take the report in the language that I speak, it's like why would I why would I bother, you know, waste my time, um, right. and also sort of like, well, what's gonna come of that right it's like well you follow the report i mean right many of us know well you file a police report oftentimes not because anything's actually going to happen like it's not like the bad guy is always going to get caught it's often just literally paperwork right to at least document right that that a a crime took place or an incident took place um but then there's this other dynamic of saving face yeah i mean it's a little bit of you know the embarrassment piece but it's more about family and and saving face for the family name right that ah, you yeah, yeah right a, a lot of asian cultures really lean into this concept of you know hey chris don't do or say anything that could possibly bring shame or embarrassment to the family right because any embarrassment that comes upon me it's like right it, it's not just me it's the family name it's my parents my grandparents right. etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah so there's there's that dynamic as well, and um, you know, well, I mean, I hate uh, to, I hate to say it, but I mean, you know, that is that's sort of reinforced in samurai movies, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying, and things of that nature. That type of thing is reinforced. So it's, it's it's interesting that it's while it's a stereotype, there is some truth to that. Yeah, 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 absolutely, and you know the you know, kind of to continue on with your, with your question around, you know, well, why, why didn't an organization like this exist prior? I mean, to be frank, you know, there just, I don't think there was that strong of a need. You know, I, I came into the firearms industry and the gun community 10 years ago 
after winning Top Shot. And I remember saying to myself, huh, like, yeah, is there a gun rights organization for Asians? Right. The answer was no. And I'm like, do I want to create one? I'm like, I don't really have the time to do that right now. And it's a lot of work. And I'm like, who else would I even like start this organization with? Because I didn't know anybody at the time. But, you know, uh, the, the silver lining, I think, of the pandemic and the challenging events of the past you know, year and a half or two in our country has really energized the Asian American community and, and made an organization like APA GOA hyper relevant, hyper useful. Right. It's like if, if I try to if, if, if APA GOA started 10 years ago. Right. It's like. You know, if there's not as much of a threat, right, to a particular people, right, then sort of, you know, then the educational and training resources are less useful, less impactful. But we've seen record levels of new gun ownership, right? Over the past 18 months, we've seen almost 11.6 million new gun owners. We've seen gun ownership amongst Asian Americans and African Americans uh, increase by 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 notable numbers, um, and so you know the, uh, the 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 trends are um, you know for better or for worse. I mean that's that's what we're seeing. You know I don't love you know I don't love the fact that we're you know getting new gun owners because there are terrible things that are happening you know out there in society. Um, but on the other hand, say, hey, look, like this is what people are deciding to do. And for me, as a firearm safety advocate, I want to make sure that, hey, these new gun owners know how to safely store and how to safely handle and use their guns. Because as we all know, you don't just buy a gun and it makes you safer all of a sudden. You need to right. learn how to properly use it uh, right, to defend yourself and your family and your loved ones. No, absolutely. Uh, so I close the poll out. I want to hit on that before we uh, before we get out of here. We're coming coming up on the top of the hour, but uh, again, the the poll was on which issue do you think Chris is most vital in relation to Second Amendment advocacy? I'm surprised. Um, shooting sports, fifty two percent. Asian Americans, right. which is what we just finished with, twenty three percent, and then uh, LG. TBQ and tech tied at 11%. So yeah, yeah. Uh, interesting. The thing that you're probably the thing, I don't guess it's that interesting because when you think of it, shooting sports would be the thing you're probably known most for. Correct. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that, that sort of would make sense. Um, yeah. And, and, and I guess, right. It's uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm just happy to, you know, have, have the support uh, that that's out there. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I, I will continue, you know, speaking on behalf of freedom and, you know, uh, and, and, you know, encouraging Americans to exercise our civil rights, right? And it doesn't matter if you don't like me because I'm Asian, or if you don't like me because I'm gay, or because I'm a techie, or you just don't like me, period. Like, that doesn't matter to me. Right, because it's not about me, right? It's just, it, this is about this is about us. This is about our country and encouraging Americans to understand, to value, and to live the ideals that our country was founded on. Because 
that's what makes America special, right? That we have ideals that are very unique and distinct compared to any other country in the world. And I think it has been a key contributor to our country's success. And if we want to continue to be the world's strongest country in the world, right, we should continue to lean into American values that have made us successful up into this point and will continue to make us successful moving forward. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, so before I go to you, Chris, and, and we kind of close this one out, uh, let's do uh, the drawing real quick. So, yeah, let's uh, see who's going to win the, uh, the autographed copy. Is officially up. Now, it's not personally personally autographed like my copy, unfortunately. But uh, And i got to get mine framed and hanging on the wall back there so people can see it. Uh, I've also got, and I've got to nail Gabby down sometime. I've got a copy of uh, Dylan Blue Press. Familiar with Dylan Blue oh, Press? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've got a copy of Dylan Blue Press. I also got a copy of the Texas State Rifle Association magazine she's on. But I'll probably do Dylan Blue Press. But anyway, I need to get her to sign one of those. And then I'll have you, her, and Dustin. I've got nice. I got multiple things signed. My daughter, my youngest daughter, actually has the buttstock on her AR-15 signed by Dustin. So nice. one, of these days, yeah. one of these days, I need to get you to sign that and probably Gabby, too. It's still oh, here. Absolutely. It's still here at the house, even though she's been out of the house for years. <laughs> it's actually still here at the house. She hasn't taken it to her house yet. But uh, I mean, I'd love that to would sign be kinda... Gabby, Gabby and Dustin are amazing people, amazing shooters, and uh, they're they're two of my very good friends. And yeah, I hope uh, you, you get all the signatures and or autographs, right? That, well, you, with, that you want from all of us. <laughs> with Gabby, it's just a matter of of events. I mean, we haven't had any, so it's uh, yeah. that's it. So it's picking uh, so, up. It's picking up. Here we go for the. Uh, Spinning the wheel now for the uh, autographed copy of Recoil Magazine. And if it'll ever stop, the winner is going to be Calaveras 32 Special, the Tactical Pickle. Is he still Ooh. out there? Are you still out there, Calaveras? Do you have to be in the chat to win? I didn't yeah, say you had that, to be in the chat to win. Yeah, that's but, one of uh, your, that's a that's a you rule. You get to decide. So it, uh, yeah, <laughs> so it was Calaveras. We'll go ahead. We'll do it because uh, I did not set the caveat first. He said he's <laughs> out there, though, so congrats, Pickle. Hey, there we go. Congratulations. Uh, and he is a Californian as well. Hey, so there we there go. There you go. Um, so, yeah, before we get out of here, Chris, uh, just real quickly where folks can follow you, find you. I know you're all over the place, but give that that spiel. Yeah, absolutely. So on social media, I'm uh, at Top Shot Chris. I've recently written uh, a few articles on Medium. Uh, so if you want to read more specifically about NFTs and, and the blockchain and its potential for the gun community, uh, check me out uh, on Medium.com, also at Top Shot Chris. And then uh, my website, topshotchris.com. And then finally, if you're interested in participating in the upcoming NFT recoil auction, that website is nft.recoilweb.com. And you're also on Facebook and Instagram if they ever start working again. Right? Yeah, exactly. We'll <laughs> see if they come back. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, with that, uh, thanks for th coming on. Appreciate it. You're welcome anytime. You know that. Awesome. Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks. You, thank you for having me on. It's uh, always great chatting with you. And I'm, I'm glad we also got to uh, yeah, chat with your listeners and uh, chat about NFTs and Second Amendment and other fun gun stuff today. 
Right. And uh, with that, we're going to be out of here. So remember, until next time, to chain fire freedom. <laughs>